So loyal listeners will remember your sad tale of Earth Day, where you attempted to, um, well, I guess you successfully got the um, the Earth Day badge, but but did so in a way that you, I guess, weren't super proud of. Is, is that fair to say? In in retrospect, I think it's a tale of empowerment. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you have that positive spin on it now. I think when Walter Isaacson writes this whole thing up, he's going to spin it in a in a in a friendly way. Well, so unfortunately, I I also now have a a sad badge story. So Apple did did the badge thing again this time for uh, Mother's Day here in the U.S. this last weekend, and I thought, great, I I have a hockey game that afternoon, which will you know it's like about an hour or so, plenty of activity should you know certainly count towards um, achieving that badge. <laughs> so you know I um. I, I start the the other workout activity, you know, right before the game starts. Play the game. We won. Awesome. Somebody Stop didn't read the, the fine print. Uh-huh. Stop the activity at the end of the game. Burned, let's call it about 700 calories or so. Was a little over an hour. No badge. And I thought, huh, okay. Well, maybe it's, you know, maybe it doesn't give it to you right away. Maybe there's... Maybe there's a waiting period. Yeah, computers are slow, man. Uh huh. Well, especially the Apple Watch. We can, we can come back to that. <laughs> um, but but no. Um, like you alluded to a, a moment ago, you have you have to read the fine print, and it turns out that it needed to be a what was it? A walk, a run, or like an indoor run? Something a mile or more in length. Basically, it was it was a distance thing. Which evidently the other type of workout activity does not measure Mm -hmm. so i um did not did not get that badge oh so you well no so you're still you didn't you didn't stoop to my flow of of like uh despondently just pacing around your apartment you you just you sucked it up and didn't get it that's well i i mean i I had plans for the rest of the day i i went to this hockey game and and then then had family stuff to do for the rest of the day so there there was not an occasion to to have any other sort of activity but it turns out i it turns out ironically the thing that i missed while at the hockey game was a hike (laughs) (laughs) so i could have gotten it could have gotten it on the hike during the family stuff you couldn't like uh, like forcefully suggest that hey, let's 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 go wander outside. It's a beautiful day. <laughs> it actually was a beautiful day. Uh, it was, yeah, yeah. That's a bummer, man. Yeah, I know. So wait, so you're zero for three on the last <laughs> uh, promotional badges they've done in the activity app. Well, I I got the one that I was most dead set on, which was the the January one, filling all three activity rings for all seven days a week. I'm proud of that one, and I got that. But I haven't. I don't think I've gotten any of the single day holiday badges. No, yeah, it's a bummer, man. Yeah, because I mean, like I've, like I said when we were talking about the Earth Day thing, the reason I haven't is because usually on these holidays, like you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing other stuff, and so you know, I, I was excited that there was finally this holiday badge opportunity where I was also going to get some physical activity in, and alas. Apple hates hockey, I guess, is the moral of the story. Uh, I don't think it's just Apple, but okay. <laughs> um, they really choked up over the over the Sharks loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Losing their division. Is that it? 
Sure. Yeah. Okay. Their league. Y- yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, their their conference, their bracket. Okay. Just, just stop. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's almost as disappointing as not being able to locate North Korea on a map. Almost. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, we'll um we'll put a link in in the show notes. This was a New York Times interactive map uh, entitled "If Americans Can Find North Korea on a Map, They're More Likely to Prefer Diplomacy." And it the the map represents guesses from one thousand seven hundred and forty six adults. Um, the only thing that I'll, the only comment that I'll, that I'll make about this is I really, really liked Dar's tweet, which was something to the effect of he appreciated the ambition of the people who chose a Southern region <laughs> as North Korea, which I, th- I thought was a, um, a lighthearted take on what is otherwise kind of a, a sad a sad thing. Well, it's north of something. North Carolina is not the northern part of the United States. It's it's a very very logical guess. <laughs> also, wait. So, like, I assume the two stray um, ones just in the middle of the ocean <laughs> um, in the in the uh, northeast corner are were, were joke responses, and then also the people who chose Australia. <sighs> Good luck to you. Um, I think maybe what's also somewhat troubling i guess are the are people who chose like india <clears throat> or china where there's there's you know there really isn't any sort of like north or south differentiation which you know even someone who would go into this with really no knowledge of the region mm-hmm. you know especially being here in america right north and south dakota like you you would think like you'd be able to at least kind of piece that together and look for something where there was a clear separation between a, a, you know, a North and a South country, but you know, evidently, evidently not for, for some. It's okay. But people should check it out because there's a lot of good demographic uh, breakdowns and things that you can suss out from this, but pretty, uh, pretty neat. Um, And on that note, the New York times has been kind of crushing it. Not not just in terms of reporting, which I'm sure will seep into this episode because it's been it's been a hell of a week, it's been a hell of a month, um, and it's only halfway done. But they've been doing a lot of cool uh, interactive stuff, and and I really feel like I'm getting my money's worth on on the subscription. Yeah, it, I think, and that's that's excluding the daily, which is worth fifteen dollars a month on its own. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, I think the story of of the New York Times is that there they they were late to the digital game and they were late embracing it but now that they seemingly like finally have they're they're doing it really well and because they're up to this came out like last week but they're up to like 1.2 million digital subscribers i think right or is it more than that so it's the the numbers are it's the most digital subscribers they've ever had yeah um because yeah back when the paywall originally came out and they did the 10 articles a month thing um like uh, in like 2010, like everybody was losing their minds over it. But overall, like it's a very comprehensive offering that goes far beyond what you would think of as just a a digital newspaper. Like, are you subscribed to the California Today morning newsletter? I, you know, I'm not. I I've occasionally read an article or two from that, but that's that's not kind of part of my um, daily routine. Yeah, 
that's my usual like still in bed trying to wake up type thing. But it, it's not um, a must read like next draft, but it's 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 a nice value add. Yeah, um, you'd mentioned something earlier today about uh, seeing podcast T-shirts in the wild. Well, yeah, so I, I you know, I I caveated the comment that I made by if this were going to happen anywhere in the world, it would be San Francisco and, and the greater Bay area. But, um, even with, even with that caveat aside, I saw two pod save America shirts in, in the last week, just, just out and about. And I don't know. I, I, I was impressed by that. I, I thought it, I guess, I guess it, 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 it was a positive sign for a couple of things, podcasting, of course, but also people getting, more involved like i mean sort of the whole pod save america podcast to begin with only exists you know because of of the times that we're in um and i would would not be around if the if the election went differently and then the hosts have been pretty open about that but um i think it goes beyond that too with you know the listenership you know these are people who might not really be listening to political podcasts on a regular basis, let alone be wearing t-shirts about said podcasts. So I don't know. It's a small, a small little sign of the, of the times we're in. And it, it gives me just a tiny little bit of hope and sort of an otherwise dark moment. So I've never actually listened to the show. So is it, so what you said kind of implies that it's more of like a general interest show or not being like too in the weeds about politics. Is that accurate or? No, no, no. um, it's, it's, it's an advocacy show. So, you know, they, they're one of their sort of pitches when they first started. And one of the reasons they left the ringer was they wanted to advocate for their positions. So not, not just be a kind of neutral news broadcaster, but actually advocate, you know, the liberal views that they have, um, so that's that's kind of the angle that they're coming at it. They're they're not only telling you the day's news, but then also what you can do to to get more involved. So each so each episode, like there's a call to action. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Can you give me an example of a recent one? Well, they um they I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of what um there's a weekly newsletter that they always refer people to. Um, React is what it's called. Um, and you know, a lot of it is calling your representative. That's, that's something that they come back to a lot. Um, attending rallies like the, you know, there was the tax day rally. There was the science day rally. Um, they're going back a little bit further. There was the women's March. They actually had someone who was involved with, um, organizing that event on the show, like a couple of days before the event happened. Um, so nothing, I guess maybe nothing like out of left field or anything, but you know, I, what their view was, you know, the right has this with Fox news, right. And there really, there really isn't the equivalent for the left. And I think that's sort of what they're, they're trying to, trying to do. I think the right would disagree with that a lot. I would think they think everything that's not Fox news and, and Breitbart is, is that, but, um, and isn't that kind of what MSNBC and Rachel Maddow are for the left? Hmm. And I, and I would think that last week tonight, uh, I'm not sure if you're if you're a viewer of that on HBO, is is very much a call to action kind of activism 
sure thing for but the it left. Does, but it doesn't have it doesn't have the reach. Yeah, it's probably true. Because uh, uh, Pod Save America is generally one of the most widely listened to podcasts on whenever I look at any like iTunes charts or anything like that. Yeah, it's been it's been at the top of the charts just about since it since it first came out. All right. Well, and oh man, 538. Because yeah, 538 is I don't think that well, I mean, I think I think it's tough to uh, project like unbiasedness in, in this era anymore. I think even at the start, like when some people when people were saying like give give Trump a chance, I think it's any any uh, frame of like complete unbiased reporting is gone. But I would say the 538 folks are fairly clear that most of them kind of lean pretty much to the left consistently. But yeah, but I, but it's definitely not an advocacy program. It's more of still a, a data and, and, and analysis program. Right, right. Know? They really, I mean, yeah, they, they, they stick to their guns with not really expressing any opinion that's not backed up by data. I mean, it's, it's not 100% true, but closer to that than just about anything else out there. Sure, sure. And I think they're like, just like the incredulity that they approach, like most of like the ridiculous news kind of, kind of suggests all you need to know but yeah it, it's definitely not a extremely partisan program right yeah all right you got some time for some follow-up please all right so did you get the email today from casper that they're coming to target i did i i got it literally two or three minutes after you you sent the screenshot and the thing yeah so this this is something we've been talking about for a while and it's been more of an offline discussion but there are a ton of these what were supposed to be or like were, were billed as uh, internet only brands uh, like Casper and uh, with, with the shaving company and nature about like, like, yeah, right. Yeah. So I, I've, I've sort of been keeping track of these over the last couple of months as, as I've been noticing, noticing them. And one of the first I noticed was another target deal with, with Harry's they've they've got all their shaving stuff there now. And then right. Nature box. I just saw um, at Safeway last week. Um, kind of, kind of weird. And Cas Casper's always had, or at least for a while, has had the the West Elm partnership where you could go in and just try it out, which I I think kind of made some sense. Yeah, and I mean, but in that, but that was like a pretty decent like brand matchup because like West Elm is not necess- it's it's kind of like a upper middle class millennial focused brand, sort of. Like it, it doesn't skew old. It does, also doesn't skew like super young either. So I mean, it was kind of a natural fit, but. Yeah, Target seems, I mean, great for them, but it's, 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 it's just odd when their whole like. So they're not going to sell it in stores, I assume. It's more of a showrooming thing. Um, actually, I let me, let me I actually I didn't even I didn't even click through the the email. No, I I assumed that you could actually um purchase the mattresses in the store. Starting this June, you can uh, you can find your favorite Casper products at more than 1,000 Target stores nationwide. That's right, Casper's sheet set, pillow, mattress protector, and new exclusive to Target. Interesting uh, products will be on shelves. So it doesn't say the mattress. Oh, okay. Because I assume logistically that probably, I don't know, like that would mess up their 100 day in home free trial thing. Hmm. Like you'd be lugging this weird this mattress back to Target. And yeah. That probably wouldn't work. Right. But yeah, that is. 
that's it's just kind of weird. I don't know because th- their whole thing is always that oh, we're cutting out the middleman and it's directly to you and and there's no retail markups here and all that kind of stuff. Where if they are selling this in stores, it just kind of it seems to undermine that message just a little bit. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. And also, uh, engineering two unique products for a specific retailer seems like a kind of weird sign. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily a, like a bad idea, and it's, it's probably good for, for both sides, but, yeah, it just, it just seems to kind of undermine, sort of the, the premise of being online only. Yeah, it seems kind of like an admission that that doesn't always work. Yeah, I mean, maybe they think that like the the two or three years that they've had of like just uh, like marketing blitzes online and, and sponsoring every podcast in the world possibly like means that they maybe think they've matched whatever addressable audience they have online that's willing to make this kind of purchase site unseen. Because um, actually, in reading this press release, it doesn't sound like they're even going to show the mattress in stores. Yeah, I, I shame hmm. on, shame on me for not clicking through, but I. <laughs> I assumed that's um um well okay okay actually here so this is the the target the target press release so what we were looking at was the Casper uh blog post mm-hmm. but on um Target's uh blog which is the a bullseye view is what that's called um we'll also have the mattress on display at 35 Target stores nationwide so you can try it out before you buy so similar to, um, similar to the West Elm, but not really because in the in like the per, like a percentage of stores that they like Target has a thousand or more stores. Oh yeah, I guess I don't. I guess I don't know how widespread the West Elm one was. It, it was the the one close to us was well, sure. But it. It's just that West Elm has so few stores. True. So I don't know, like that, that probably kind of makes sense where they might put them in more urban markets or places where people would be more more willing to buy this. But like, um, if you do click through to the Target thing, it says available on Target.com. So I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, that's okay. That's different. West Elm, you you couldn't do that. Yeah. Anyway, but that that's that's been a trend that's a little bit weird, but also kind of interesting to watch. And a little a little bit of a, a side note, but but certainly related. Um, I bought the Casper sheets a couple of weeks ago, and they're really nice. How much are they? Well, so the reason that we we bought them was because they were on like a a one day like flash sale. I guess it, it turns out they were the Sweet Homes like upgrade pick for best sheet set, which I wasn't aware of. And so we we got them on sale for and that's like a hundred and twenty dollars maybe. And that's for like for a king size fitted sheet, flat sheet, and two pillowcases. And what's the regular price? I think we got it for it was either like twenty five or fifty bucks off. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah, it, it's it's nice, and it could, uh, they're one of the things that I've my only kind of complaint about the the Casper thing, which I don't think is really even like Casper specific, but um, the king size sheet set that we had bought for it didn't quite fit it a hundred percent perfectly. Too small or too big? Too little, too big. Interesting. Um, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but it, I guess it turns out that, or at least with hotels anyway, like turns out, turns out like, like a king size doesn't always mean the same thing. Wasn't there a California king versus regular king? Well, no, I know about that, but like the concept of a king size, like I guess there is 
I guess somewhere out there a standard, but not everybody adheres to that precisely. So any anyway, I'm I'm no I'm no mattress expert, but I can tell you that the the Casper sheets fit the Casper mattress very well. Surprise, surprise. Hmm. That's interesting. I think it's called vertical integration. <laughs> uh-huh. Or well actually probably more horizontal integration because it's, you know, a bed and you and you lay flat. I'm gonna let that get the response it deserves. <laughs> all right so wait where was i going with this oh um yeah and just six months in still think the the casper mattress is horribly uncomfortable i really don't like this mattress really and things like that oh man i i I can't say enough good things about it but do you have a box spring no Mm -mm. yeah i don't know man to do i do not wake up feeling refreshed and uh ever (laughs) I mean, that might just be getting old. That might just be the the worry of a, a crumbling democracy. But <laughs> you can never tell. But yeah, I don't care for this mattress, man. And, and I'm, of course, way past the return policy. But I don't, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, I keep, I, I keep toying with the huh. fact that I would buy whatever their um their like fake box spring equivalent is. Maybe like thinking that's my issue. But I, I'm not sure if it would be. And I don't want to spend two, I don't want to spend two hundred fifty dollars on that. If it's going to do what, nothing. What do they sell? So if you go to Casper.com. Oh, the foundation. I, yeah. I've never seen this before. Hmm. Like, I don't know if that makes any difference because, I mean, I don't hmm. know. I, I, I'd be skeptical of that. But also, I do think my bed is too low. Not that, like, comfort-wise that makes a difference. But, but in terms of, like, getting in and out, it's probably nicer. But still, it just seems like... A, Seems like a gamble. Hmm. Anyway, that's enough about Sleep Corner. Also, I'm probably going to go all in on your pick of the week from a couple weeks ago on uh, whatever those headband headphones are. Yeah, the the sleep phones. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, th- you, I honestly think it is the Trump presidency keeping me awake at night. I just can't can't do it. Yeah. I've, I've had to uh, fall asleep with uh, with a podcast far more often than I have in the past. I've I've been doing that for for a long time. There's no like noise bleed over to your uh, sleeping partner. Uh, not not that not that I've ever been informed of. Got it. She just suffers through any any video game talk. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wait. What were you gonna say? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. No. <laughs> I can I can wait. I just, I, I, I just, uh, it, it, occur, it occurs to me that I just, I listen to a highly nerdy set of podcasts, but, but anyway, it's like, how many fucking hours are them talking <laughs> yeah, about right. the Nintendo Switch that you listen to? Well, we've, we've, we've talked about that before, right? Where you just sort of like, we fall into this thing where we sort of just listen to the same topic, like four different times across different shows. Yeah. I'm, 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 uh, combing that down because i have been getting into more podcast debt i i've i've inherited your um uh your your issue here i've unsubscribed from clockwise and there's a couple others that are probably on the chopping block soon too because even though i i I probably listen to podcasts more than i think most people do is i still don't think i have enough time for what i'm subscribed to yeah the the clockwise i i had to give up to it it really good but a little too general interest yeah, it was it was always nice that it was a super tight thirty minutes, but it still kind of seems like a redundant thirty minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Um, two other quick pieces of follow up. 
Um, so in terms of Windows 10 S, which I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, there were two things about this that I wanted to bring up because we weren't sure of like how limited it was or how locked down it was. So apparently any app that is running on Windows 10 S uh, must use the Microsoft Edge rendering engine. So it's basically like iOS where you can write a, like a separate browser, but it still has to use Safari. So that's a little weird or not weird, but I mean, that's a decision that you'd want to be aware of. And then also apparently iTunes is coming to the Microsoft App Store or whatever it's called by the end of the year. Yeah, I so I sort of I put that in the thing this week because and, and, and you know, I I'm always sort of one of the first ones to raise my hand admitting that I, you know, I might live in a bubble sometimes, but it, it that just doesn't really seem like that big of a deal to me. Like is that is that is is the the Windows Store really where people are going to go to get iTunes? And I guess it, I guess if, well, if they, if it's, they it's, have to. Well, it's that you can't. I mean, because uh, on that's the whole thing that I maybe wasn't fully aware of or didn't realize is that Windows 10 S is like a super lockdown version of Windows where you can't run apps that don't come through the store. Yeah. Well. So it has to. Right. Yeah, I guess I didn't think of that either when I saw the headline, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I guess it says right in this TechCrunch article that we'll link to that um, it asks the question, why is this a big deal? Windows 10 has only runs Windows Store apps, and unless an application like iTunes is available in the store, those users who want to buy a Surface laptop, for example, either have to upgrade to Windows 10 Pro, which may not always be an option, or forgo syncing their iPhones with their new Windows PCs. Which, you know, I, I guess maybe that's the other angle on this outside of just sort of the store issue is just i guess maybe me not really understanding how many people still use itunes like i i literally only use itunes on my mac one time per week and that's to encode this audio program from aac to mp3 that's the only thing i use it for can't you just use QuickTime for that I've I've got I've got a workflow, man. Can't mess with it. Like I've li- I've literally, but it has edited... to be less work. You just open in QuickTime and hit file not, export. It's, it's not what I'm interested in. You're a crotchety old man. You're setting your ways. There, I, I, there, we've, I we've, done, we've done over a hundred of these now. I've set I've set my ways. Okay. It's not it's not democracy as usual. Okay, <laughs> and then uh, last bit of follow up. Uh, my pick of the week, I think, from last week, uh, Silicon Valley, the TV show. So I've had a little extra time this weekend. I've watched almost all of it, and it is fantastic. I'm I'm doubling down on that recommendation. Yeah. So the so the the lady friend and I are watching Arrested Development currently. We we ju- we just started that this last weekend. Uh, this is her first time through it, which is a which is a treat to observe. You're gonna. You're gonna pretend the TiVo is broken and skip over all the bad episodes of season three and all of season four. Uh, like, how how are you gonna? Because that's the thing. You're introducing somebody to something that's really good, but you know when it breaks. I know. I, I've I, I've speaking of things keeping you up at night. <laughs> I've I've been thinking about that, and I, and I don't yet have an answer. Goes healthcare, foreign intelligence, arrested development. That's right. Um. Anyway. Um. Actually, you know, what prompted us starting to watch it was seeing um, Jason Bateman's tweet that he had signed, officially signed on for season five. So fingers crossed that'll help kind of 
make up for seasons three and four. Um, anyway, not to derail us, but the, the reason I thought of that was because we were talking about, oh, like after we're through Arrested Development, kind of what needs to be next on the list. And I, I, I think um, Silicon Valley is going to be on the short list for sure. It's really, really good. Um, I guess I've, my fear and the reason I've, I've never tried it is because I always I just kind of thought it was going to be a little too on the nose or a little too inside baseball like i feel like i already kind of know what all the jokes are going to be and what all the stupid things are in the area that we live but but, it, but that's the thing it's not like it's it's not like it, it's a parody in so many ways but it's more of a parody of like the business models and, and like the personality types and a lot of stuff it's not just like oh everybody's on their iphones and stuff like that like it's just it's it's really well done it it's it's fast-paced it it like the the satire is is really well done and it's like all the stuff that they put in like they're like uh, they're like phil's appears in multiple episodes and just like so many stories that you would like i, I this isn't an important spoiler but like somebody loses a phone running beta software in a palo alto bar like it's just like stuff that's just so perfect where if you're somebody who is either in the technology industry or pays close attention to it like you get something that a lot of other people wouldn't so it's kind of like a pixar movie in that sense i don't know okay it's, it's really good it's it you have to look past some parts that are probably a bit too crude for my taste but um or most people's taste but it's it's really really good it's it's hbo i think that in a lot of ways that's what people tune in for yeah it's better than game of thrones like that that's unwatchable but this is this is good yeah, Game of, Game of Thrones was is not that's not your program. It should be nobody's program. Uh, <sighs> I'm still super on the fence about Westworld, but I'm pretty sure it's a it's a hard no. <laughs> uh, hmm. Yeah. See, th- but every, yeah. everybody is like that. Even people who like it are still like it's not. No, I uh, unabashedly love it. it. It's one of it's one of the best seasons of TV. It, it's it's not it's not the best show I've ever seen, but it. It might be, well, the, those last couple of seasons of Breaking Bad were really good, but it's it's right up there on a short list of like best seasons of TV, just because it what it leads up to is so good. Mm-hmm. But for you, I guess like the the content would, yeah, be, I don't know, maybe not your not your cup of tea. Sure, sure. All right, so I think that bit uh, that uh, wraps up follow up. Thank you, John Syracuse. Um, Trademark. All right, so what's what's the what's the main stuff today? Well, I, mean, I think a good place to start because um, we're we're running out of weeks to speculate here um, is the kind of WWDC hardware rumors, which have been um, been getting some steam these last um, last few weeks. Um, and we, we've, we've kind of hit, I think on, on most of this stuff in past episodes, but, um, the things that people really seem to be, um, thinking about now and, and are expecting to, to come are, uh, 10.5 inch iPad pro and the, um, Apple hi-fi, I, I mean, Siri speaker. Um, and I guess also today, German talked a little bit about, some new MacBook Pros, although we should talk a little bit more about those. I'm not quite sure about those, but um, starting at least with the the iPad Pro and the, and the Siri speaker, I totally buy like that. That I don't know something about that. Just I mean, obviously, I have no inside information on this, but 
that just rings true to me. Like those are two products that seem tailor-made for WWDC. So I don't think that WWDC necessarily screams hardware announcement. I mean, because it's it's a developer-focused event and they don't always release new things. So I mean, if you think when the original um, 12.9 iPad came out, that like that thing's like literally two years old now. Um, the 9.7-inch iPad Pro, that was released like March of 2016. So I mean... Both are probably due for replacement, so I don't think it's a guarantee, but it really does seem like it's 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 definitely due. So I think so that so that that part makes sense to me, like like I said. But where I where things started getting a little off the rails today was was German's report about there being new MacBook Pros as well. Although I was a little the the headline was very misleading. I thought where. The headline made it sound like this was going to be some kind of new big hardware revision, but then as soon as you got into the meat of the article, you realized, no, we're just talking about processor bumps. Because the headline was something to the effect of like Apple to come out with new laptops to compete with Microsoft or something like that. Apple said to plan laptop upgrades as Microsoft enters market. Yeah, which I'm not really sure Intel speed bumps in your laptops is really a answer to like any of your competitors um anyway like that to me that sounds like maybe a press release that comes out alongside the keynote or maybe is like one slide during the keynote just because like if you're talking if you're talking about a speaker you're talking about a new ipad and you're talking about laptops that that seems like too much hardware at a wwdc keynote but do you think the iPad Pro 10.5 or whatever it's going to be called is actually going to be um, a legitimately like important? Like, do you think there's going to be like new features that are worthy of like 20 minute demos, or do you think it's just a smaller, lighter iPad? Because like iOS 11 is going to get like tons of stage time, but that might as well be on old iPads. Well, but I, I think they'll use it as a platform to talk about the all of the iPad specific features we're supposedly getting with iOS 11. Um, but I think also, and th- I think this is what's most interesting about that product is how much of Apple's kind of new new form factors is going to represent. Like we, it seems like we all kind of know that these next this next wave of hardware is going to be, you know, edge to edge display. Um, newer screen technology like LED per, or OLED perhaps. Um, but I think that the question is like how much of that stuff that people mostly have been talking about just in the context of the iPhone 8, how much of that would be on a device like this, if, if any of that stuff. Because if it, if it actually is a huge step up hardware-wise, and I, I think that that's also something that Apple could kind of go on and on about for a while during a keynote yeah perhaps but i mean for for a product that's been it just continues to lose market share every quarter and seems like something that they're not terribly invested in well i guess it just depends on whether or not this is actually a like a, a really worthwhile upgrade yeah 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 um and also whether or not ios 11 actually has anything that's specifically for making the ipad a more viable productivity or or a work machine because as of right now like the multitasking and all that kind of stuff on it is just not terribly 
comprehensive or that compelling to most people who don't want to make it like a hobby of trying to get work done. Right. I mean, that that's that has to that has to be an iOS 11 has to be. We can hope, but yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, the MacBook thing is is interesting to me. Like, I know it's not going to not going to be a redesign, but hopefully like what I'm what I want out of the deal is for them to upgrade the MacBook Pro the macbook pro escape uh the 13 inch non-touch bar model put in a more updated processor and hopefully make it more competitive to like uh pricing wise because that's one of the things right now where it's like this weird middle computer like you have the the touch bar macbook pro that's like at the top of the line but then you have the um the macbook escape which is a very like it's it's a compelling computer to certain people but it's just not priced very well like it's it's barely any cheaper than the touch bar one except it lacks two of the usb ports that you would normally get and it just overall is hamstrung and you don't get the same processor options that you'd get on the nicer computer so i don't know i hope they they figure that out and the fact that a lot of people just maybe that maybe they just acknowledge that the touch bar is kind of a dud for most people and that a lot of people would prefer the other computer and they should make versions that would actually fit their needs I don't. I don't know if Apple's quite ready to admit that about the the Touch Bar, but well, I don't think they need to admit it. I think they need to quietly and privately to themselves admit it and make for like a, the that middle version a compelling offering to people. Perhaps, yeah. And then, so in terms of like uh, when like the iPod, like or the Siri speaker. Which, which is probably going to be called like Apple Voice or something like that, like because they're very into Apple and then Noun. So I mean, even though we really want it to be called iPod Hi-Fi too, I don't think that's actually going to happen. Um, How great would that be, though? Well, then they, they'd have to also come out with uh, iPhone sucks at the same keynote because that's how it worked last time. Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like so that's probably going to come out i mean i like the rumors just seem to there seem to be far like the volume of them seems to be no no jokes intended but um seems too high for that not to actually be a thing it's just a question of whether or not siri actually has made any um like worthwhile or like meaningful progress towards becoming um, like a viable voice assistant that can compete with like Google Assistant, and to a lesser extent, um, the Amazon Echo like cloud platform, which in a lot of ways is maybe more, um, like less advanced than Siri, but in a lot of other ways is is way more advanced. So I I think what I'm most interested in with the the Siri speaker, and this is what I want to hear your take on too, is whether or not it's going to have a screen. I think it will, but I, I'm not, I guess I'm not, I wouldn't bet a whole lot on that. So if I'm being pessimistic, I think it has a screen. If I'm optimistic and bullish on Apple, I think it doesn't have a screen. Do you know what I mean? Uh, kind of. I mean, are, are, you, are you saying that the screen would sort of be like a, a crutch? Exactly. Like much in the same way that current Siri, when it, uh, doesn't have a good answer for you or gets confused, uh, it'll either say, I don't know, or like, ask me later, or it'll basically say, here's what I found on the web for you. And it does that an alarming amount of the time. And I think that is 
like the fallback that a screen would allow them to do. Like with the Amazon Echo product, it'll just be like, oh, uh, I didn't understand what you said there, or I don't have an answer to that question. But it can't just say, hey, go look at, go to amazon.com slash echo and look at whatever I found on the web for you. So I, I just I just sent you a, a thing in the thing um, that relates directly to what we're talking about with, with Siri. I like the wording, neither. Yeah, so this was earlier, I, I was on a run, and I don't really use Siri all that often um, from my watch, but when you're on a run and you have your phone in like an armband sleeve like I did, it, it sort of is one of those rare situations where it makes sense. So I go, I go to use it, and I, it, I, you know, ask the question, the little spinner spins for a while, and then this message, which I, which I just sent you, popped up, which at the top says, I'll tap you when I'm ready. And it was just that for a little while. But then the, the bottom part came on about there being no Siri connection. It, it's, it's stuff like this, which sort of makes me hesitant to think that Siri's ready to be screenless. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm with you in the sense that I think Apple's decision to not include a screen might be a good sign that they feel confident that Siri's gotten a lot more advanced than it than it is today. But I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I don't know if they're quite there. Yeah. So I mean, like, other than I forget when it was. So Siri came out with 4s. Yes, that's right. And 4S came out with iOS 6. Oh, God, don't don't quiz me on that. Uh, just count backwards. Uh, so wait, iOS 10 came out with the, the 7, 9. Yeah, probably something like that. So like, it just hasn't really made a ton of meaningful progress since iOS 6. Like, I remember when, I forget if it was still $4 or you'd already been kicked out yet, but like, I think in iOS 8, they they did some like on-screen demos where like the content was much more rich in terms of being able to find like sports scores and like make the, like show you movie reservations on like Siri for a certain small number of like predefined scenarios would be more rich and uh, uh, like full stack helpful. But it just genuinely like hasn't made a lot of meaningful progress since its initial release. And, and yeah, like that's the thing like where, when you get the oh, here's what I found on the web for you kind of thing is just not unless there's some gigantic uh, ad- advancements that they're gonna announce that are part of an iOS 11 thing. Like I I don't necessarily see this product screen or not as being a terribly compelling product, especially since like one of the most uh, interesting features and most useful features that I would, if somebody was asking like, oh, why should I get one of these things? Like whether it be an Echo, a Google Home or whatever this thing is, like I would be like, oh, like, well, if you have any like smart home stuff, like this would be an like really, really cool thing to use. Like it's the hassle or maybe like transition to like smart home devices is like almost completely mitigated if you can get like the value out of being able to control it with your voice. But if you can't do that because HomeKit doesn't work with anything, uh, whether you think that's good or not, like that eliminates one of the key features that um, this device or like this product category would have. So I like, I just, I don't know what they're, 
like what their game plan is. I and <clears throat> I'm going to be bummed if this is true, but I I'm guessing and this this I would be willing to kind of wager on is that a key piece to it's going to be Apple Music integration and it, it's going to be pitched as like the best way to enjoy your Apple Music subscription. It's going to be pitched as iPod Hi-Fi 2.0. Your idea is making sense here. Right. No, but seriously, I mean, they'll, they'll talk about, you know, they'll talk about the Beats kind of team's con, you know, contributions and how great it sounds. And If they I, say it has Beats technology inside of it, that's super lame. That seems like such an HP thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I, could, I could totally see a scenario with this product where it basically looks like a more refined version of the Echo is heavily music focused and basically has the same Siri that we know today with some improvements around the edges. I could totally see that being the device. And like we've said, I think at least one other time on the show, that that would be really disappointing if that if that's what this is. If that's what it is, that would be a product extremely typical of of today's Apple. It, like it would be like a perfect encapsulation of of what Apple has been for like the past two years. But we'll see. I, I really hope that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, me, me too. But I don't know. I I wouldn't be surprised because how if... how how is that a compelling product offering? Like, what is the what like what is, how do you how do you pitch that to people? How do you say that instead of just buying? your Bose speaker or your pair of Beats headphones or your, or your Beats pill or, or whatever you want to buy, like you can still use the, the Hey Dingus thing with that. So the fact that series built in is almost no value. I, 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 I don't think that that's how it's sold. Well, we'll find out yeah. shortly. Yeah. Um, and then the only other thing that that's been in the rumor mill is that apparently the iPad uh, Mini is going to be uh, left uh, taken out to pasture or, or left to uh, die on the vine. Yeah, that's been that idea has been kicked around for a while, but um, there's actually some kind of hard reporting now that indicates that 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 might be happening. Which I, I don't know. I I the only thing that I find just kind of amazing about that is you remember when the iPad Mini first came out. And there were a bunch of people, kind of myself included, I guess, but like Gruber, I think Jason Snell was in this category, people who were saying like, this is the iPad form factor. This is what the iPad like should have been when it first came out. Like they were, they were framing it in such a way where it's like the, this, the, the mini size was going to become like the de facto perfect iPad size. And it's. It's just it's incredible how quickly that changed. So I think that is that is partially true, and I think I was probably one of the people that said stuff like that. But I think two big things have changed since then, which is one, we now have the plus models of phones, so people who want that type of thing can get it. And then um, like the overall, like the weight and bezel and overall size of what you'd consider like the canonical standard iPad um, has come down to the point where the space savings is just really not as dramatic as it was when you're comparing it to like the iPad two. Yeah. And you're going <clears> to <throat> completely hate me for suggesting this, but I've been, I've been sort of kind of 
not not imminently, but I like been sort of thinking about at some point maybe wanting the big iPad Pro. Wait, the twelve point nine? Yeah. Because I really no no that's I, the, <laughs> no but, but hold on that, that that's that's no that's because I because I don't I really don't travel with my iPad a ton. It really is just kind of at here you know here at home. Uh, like I watched Better Call Saul on it this evening. Um, read the news, read Twitter, and I don't like having that real big screen. Because you know, even I mean, the, you know, you you talk about how one of the mini's problems is how close it is to like the you know the plus size phones. Well, the nine point seven inch also is you know no, kind it's not. of in that region where the difference between the two isn't super super dramatic. No, it's not. Don't don't maybe turn on the video chat and grab my iPad Pro. Like this is <laughs> don't don't do that. No, that's. That's a bad life decision. Like, well, you, no, you, 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 said the, too, like, you said the plus was a bad life decision, and I, I've been I stand by that, that still. I, I stand by that, even, no matter how 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 much of a patriot Darth is. He he still <laughs> he still got knocked down a notch when I found that out, and there's fifty two thousand unread emails. Um, oh my god! <laughs> you get anxious about my my ten plus OmniFocus count. <laughs> Just oh, stress, um, stresses me out so much. Like no, because like so you say you watch uh, sure you watch a video on it, like I don't think like the extra three inches makes a difference for watching video. Like it's it's still it's still bigger than a phone, but it's still not gonna it's still gonna be underwhelming compared to a television set. If you're reading the news on it, like do you really want a two handed iPad? Because the thing weighs like a metric ton. It, it, it's it's it, the the twelve point nine inch iPad is a bad product all around. Because no, because I was so vindicated. Remember, okay. Because there's been a lot of revisionist history around this, and, and you can maybe tell me if I'm wrong. Because this is something I was thinking about on a walk yesterday when people were talking about like how much, the, like on some podcasts, they were like, "Oh, I love the iPad Pro uh, 9.7. It's, it's like the best product Apple's ever made." So, but like these were the same people that like six months before that product came out were pretending they liked the 12.9, like saying, "Oh, finally, there's this big iPad, and and it's it's perfect for productivity and all stuff." And then once the 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 baby pro or whatever serenity Caldwell calls it they're like oh no this this is the one to have and this is it so like the 12.9 is just it's it's not a product for anybody like unless you're constantly drawing on it or you're having to like give like impromptu presentations all the time to people and you want to write on the screen it's not really the right product for anybody it's 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 too big it's unwieldy and and it's 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 the size of a computer except it's like a third of a computer Please don't do this to yourself. I guess that maybe the way I should have framed it is I, what I'm interested in is what they do with that product next. So what version two of that product is. Unless they make it weigh half as much, it doesn't. Yeah. It's, have you handled one? Like It's really heavy, dude. Yeah, I've gone into the store, but it, it's hard to get a feel for that there. Would you do it with or without a keyboard case? Without. I would. I would never have a keyboard case. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna be intrigued as to what a 10.5 inch Pro with like narrow bezels would look like because I think that would be a, that'd be a great product for you. Because are you do you have yeah, an true. Air? Do you, like so? Do you have an Air two or do you still have a Mini four right now? I know I, I have the 9.7 Pro. When did that happen? Did we? Did I wait? Was I asleep during an episode or did you never tell me? <laughs> no, I, I I told you. Okay, I've had it for a, a yearish. Hmm. It's a good machine. 
because it because it, it, it was um well i guess maybe it, no it, it hasn't been that long because what prompted it was getting the the seven plus so i guess it, i guess i maybe i guess it was like in the fall everything had to slide up a side <laughs> yeah right yeah okay so yeah i guess i bought it yeah it was probably october ish yeah because because we we talked about on the show how my you know my my, my train of thought behind getting it was and i'm, and I'm pretty sure you were upset <laughs> i think it's it's more disappointment yeah okay you're not mad um, you're just disappointed yeah yeah um okay well i hope you make the right decision but like yeah w- <laughs> like wwc is gonna be an interesting time this year just because ios 10 wasn't really the the big like not, not monumental is the wrong word but like uh, like it wasn't a meaningful software release we got like really rudimentary like third-party siri access um like what were the, the other marquee features of ios 10 because I really can't think of how it that how it's that much different than iOS nine. But you're forgetting the home app, man. Don't get we we talked about this for an hour last <laughs> week. We're not getting into this. <laughs> uh, but what what else what what else was there? Uh... This is this is not compelling. Like I know they 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 broke up Control Center into into three panes. That's that's objectively worse. Um, well, no, so I, I think that this gets back to what we've been talking about for a while now, which is you know. Apple is just objectively, I, I really don't know how you'd argue otherwise, they've, they've been stagnant the last couple of years, both hardware and software-wise. Like, there's, there's just no, there's no good arguments otherwise, I, I don't think. And that's, um, and that's and I what think, I'm... Right, no, and, I, I, and I, think, I, think that's, I think you're exactly right, where like, this feels like a moment, like starting with WWDC, where... You know, Apple's has the opportunity to to kind of turn that around, and I, the the rumors like there's enough smoke now where it really does seem like there's going to be pretty significant software updates to the iPad and iOS 11. Haven't really heard a lot with iOS 11 on the phone, so we'll kind of see what that looks like. We might have to wait to see a lot of that when the iPhone 8 comes out, because if it is truly the the edge to edge display, and there's sort of this concept of like a like multi-function bar at the bottom or something where we're obviously not really going to see any of that next month. Um, but then, you know, on, you know, also, you know, tying back to what I just said, the hardware wise, the rumors are that there's going to be some really big improvements this year. So, you know, the, the rest of this year, I think is really going to have to um, change that narrative around Apple just kind of standing still. Yeah. And I did go to Apple's website, and apparently the big features of I, I totally forgot that's when they broke iMessage, or they just like jammed in a bunch of stickers and and oh yeah weird right. and weird apps. That was the marquee feature that they they made text messaging complicated. I I completely forgot about that too. Yeah. Do you? This is only vaguely related. Do you keep your your phone? Do you allow your phone to change rotation, or do you always have it in portrait lock? I allow it to change rotation. Okay. Do you ever get the thing where you where iMessage just turns into the handwriting mode? Yes. And you get really mad? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Is, there a, is there a way to disable that? You you leave it in portrait lock. <laughs> like yeah. I, I wish the if, if the only feature in iOS eleven was that um they made it so that you could portrait lock it except for video, I would die a happy man. 
<laughs> because I, I like I leave it in portrait lock all the time, but then you have to deal with uh, disabling it just for the purpose of watching a, like a landscape video clip. And it's 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 more than a little annoying. Mm-hmm. Oh. Anyway, so yeah, I think that's I think that's most of the WWDC stuff. And that's just um, a few, like a month away or a few short weeks away in. Uh, yeah. 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 Realm of the West. Huh? Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, we'll be there. <laughs> no, it won't. Well, not not the actual conference. <laughs> not for the keynote. Not for the conference. <laughs> not not for much that's that matters. <laughs> and still no uh, talk show. Uh, I know it's getting a little late. Mm-hmm. Got the Slack bot set up, but I've, I all I get is people asking, "Hey, when when is the talk show happening?" And it's <laughs> super annoying. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, keep it with uh, mobile technology stuff or do you want to move on to something more plain uh well, that's that's round out the t-word stuff okay thank you um good callback so uh snapchat or snap inc had their first uh public uh earnings release the last week and i think your observation was doesn't a company to make money like you said what did you say oh uh, you had you had grave concerns yeah, I mean, just, you know, well, I, I think, so people's people's take was, you know, Snap doesn't need to be Facebook to be successful. And that's, you know, Twitter obviously is the, kind of the most famous example of this. And Snap, I think, is quickly becoming another example where they're all being held to kind of this Facebook standard in terms of user growth and sort of total users. And I, I'm I'm totally on board with the idea that a company can be completely successful without achieving, you know, a fraction of Facebook's numbers. Facebook's numbers are just sort of incomparable to anything else that's out there. But with that being said, one of the, one of the other things that Facebook does do, which companies like Twitter and Snap need need to do as well, is be profitable, make money. Like, I mean, it's it's cute when you're a small little startup to follow the you know the age old adage of well you know get users today and we'll figure out how to monetize later but at some point you got to learn how to you got to learn how to monetize and it just it just doesn't seem like snap is anywhere close to being able to do that even putting aside i mean i you know i get the whole you know um stock comp thing that happened this quarter but even putting that aside it, it was still a massively unprofitable quarter for them um, which was then compounded by the fact that they also didn't even offer guidance for the rest of the year, which, you know, my guess is that if they were expecting positive numbers for 2017, they probably would have shared those with people. So choosing not to is is a bit of an ominous sign. So it, it, it's tricky um, because like most of Snapchat's captive audience is an audience that is generally considered pretty hard to monetize which which are, are young people um and it's tricky just because like managing the ad load for like social networks is seemingly pretty hard it's something that facebook has done very delicately and and very skillfully um but yeah it it is tricky i mean because the market has kind of like a, a wishy-washy take on on what companies they're willing to tolerate not making money for a very long time and kind of like investing and building up and then like just ratcheting up like the revenue generation and the monetization of their user base. 
sorry, that was a really douchey sentence. I'm sorry. Um, um, how, how do I, how do I say, um, to, 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 to generate meaningful revenue off of your millions of captive users. Is that better? Um, yeah, I just think it's, I think it's a challenge and that's something that Facebook has done really well with. And, and Snapchat, unfortunately for them has run afoul is the wrong word, but they've, they've been ensnared by one of the best copy machines in, in the entire world, which is Facebook. That is, that is, um, shamelessly, uh, shamelessly and mercilessly just completely copying their core product and literally every feature of it and just shoehorning it on every single app that they have, which I think is going to be problematic going forward. Cause I, I, I don't really think spectacles is, is going to make up the, the missed revenue. <sighs> Anyway, and I think enough has been been said now about that. But I, I just well, like, well, I do have a question for you then. So mm-hmm. you you use Instagram, but I, you're probably a very casual Instagram user, right? Like you're more into just dog pictures. Like you don't use the stories, do you? No. Mm-mm. Like so, the fact that uh, Facebook basically just has lifted the core functionality of most of Snapchat. Like, does that bother you at all? Well, I, I've I've never even used Snapchat, so I don't even really have that reference point. But okay, I mean, sure, copying other people's ideas and software is not something I'm a fan of. But do you think like most regular people will care? No, like basically, how of, how of course not. So then, how big of a problem is this for Snapchat? Well, if you believe their CEO, it's not a problem at all. But um, but I mean, yeah, certainly, certainly, it's a problem. I mean, any any time you're competing in the same industry as a company like Facebook or Alphabet um, or Microsoft. Like that's, that is absolutely a, a concern, but um, I don't know for me, I guess Snapchat's bigger problem is they just don't really seem to appeal to folks outside of that. You know, what is it like 18 to, you know, 28 or something demographic. Maybe eighteen mm-hmm. to twenty-four, maybe whatever, whatever that sort of key age range is. Like they just they haven't really seemed to break out of that group, whereas I mean Facebook and Instagram clearly have. And so to, that's you know I think in a lot of ways this earnings has completely validated what I've always thought of with Snapchat, which is it appeals to you know, a very, a relatively small set of users. And it, it just isn't really ever going to appeal past that. It's not going to appeal to like even you and me. So do you buy the idea that that is an extremely attractive audience for advertisers and there's eventually going to be a point when they can successfully monetize that narrow demographic and advertisers are willing to pay dearly for it? I I think if I think if they can do it, they will do it. But I I need to see I need to see the numbers. Like the hype, hypothetical monetization talk doesn't make anybody money. They need to actually go out and do it. Yeah, that's true. So then, then why has Facebook been so successful with this? Like when nobody else is. Like it can't just be scale. Well, I mean, I, I think 
you know, I've never personally used Snapchat, but I've seen it being used and I've, you know, seen, yeah, I've, I've seen, you know, other people using it in person. And I've obviously like read articles and seen screenshots and videos and it's just, it's a mess. It's a complete disaster of an app. And, you know, Facebook with its 300 megabyte plus iOS updates is certainly not some, you know, golden standard when it comes to either a website or a mobile app. But, but in general, like, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty nice and it, and it focuses on the right things. It It's not, not about making like goofy little 10 second videos. It's about actually like sharing nice photos with people and about sharing links with people like things that a wide variety of folks like to do well but have you ever accidentally swiped right in facebook <laughs> i have yeah so but that's the thing it is because but it, there, but there's but wholesale hidden. but it's hidden it, but you don't you ever think like somebody like over the age of 30 like us is accidentally swiping one time and then like what the fuck is this and and why why because like I, I just swiped over and like if you swipe uh swipe one down apparently it, it adds uh, thunder and rain and lightning to your thing like just none of this makes any sense i don't know maybe, maybe facebook has been effective at um uh keeping it hidden enough where only like the the young people are, are going to explore that far and see the stuff. But whatever they're doing, they seem to have, have cracked it. I would be young again. <laughs> All right. So can, can I ask for your help and advice with some stuff? Of course. All right. So I need, I need to know, because you are all on board the OmniFocus train, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay. So how do you, how do you approach the, like, the work-life balance with OmniFocus? So what do you what do you mean? So how do you commingle or manage stuff that's like your personal to dos and your work to dos? Um. Well, so I if I look look at my OmniFocus here, I mean, really, I have work projects and um, personal projects in two separate folders. So those are my only two folders, and then you know something that's a personal project will go under my personal folder and a, a work project will go in the work folder. And then of course, specific actions will go within each of those projects. So then what about due dates? Like, so I guess maybe that's the difference. Do you use the forecast view? Oh, that's, that's almost the only view I use. Yeah. So then how do you, how do you reconcile that where with having stuff that is maybe of like critical importance for work but like also the stuff that you have to do personally like how do you do you have any issues with those being commingled no mm -mm. Hmm. no because i think the the forecast view does a nice job of showing you what each like what project each action relates to um so it, it's it's pretty visually obvious you know what relates to what um but yeah, no, I I don't I don't find work actions and personal actions being mixed together to be an issue at all. And when you put a due date on something, do you ever specify a time, or is just everything due at five o'clock, basically? Um, no, I I usually specify times. Like usually, I'll kind of just throw in a date, maybe initially, but then 
as the date gets closer and as I, you know, finalize my calendar for that day, I'll set times that, you know, make sense based on, you know, other calendar appointments and things that I have throughout the day. Hmm. Okay. Perhaps you're just much more disciplined. I don't know. <laughs> it just, yeah, I don't know. I, I just need to get better about practicing what I preach because like this, this overdue count is, is not, it's not working for me. I mean, I, I'm certainly guilty of, you know, pushing things back. You know, it's not like I have a, a set list for each day and every single day I'm successful at completing everything. I mean, I, I certainly, you know, move move dates back, but but you know, by and large, things have a, a due date and I, I try to try to stick with them as as best I can. And yeah, I guess I've I've never really even I've never really even given it much thought as to having like personal and work stuff side by side. Like that just I don't know, that just sort of makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. If you had the option, like if there was a way, because I haven't figured out how to do this and I think it's just not supported. If there was a way to have two forecast views, one for like that personal folder and one for that work folder, would you use it or do you prefer that it's commingled? Um I would probably say just having it being commingled, which I guess, you know, it relates a lot to um, like the way that I think about email, where I, I do have two separate inboxes in Gmail, but ultimately they're in the same app and I, you know, I get the same notifications. And it, so it's kind of all just one stream of, of messages. Oh, boy. Okay. That's an entirely different. Wow. Hmm. Okay. I mean, again, I, I don't. I don't have a unified inbox. So I'm, I'm not. I don't do that. But oh, I thought that's what you meant. I thought you. Okay. They're just. In, I. I. I just. I use the Gmail app for both. But they're in. They're in two separate inboxes. But they're in okay. the same app. So I don't really like think about them super differently. Yeah, but so you, you don't. You don't. You don't use like you don't use the all inboxes view and have them no. literally. Okay. No. Um yeah, that's okay. All right, well, I'll I'll take some of your your advice or I'll, I'll try to be I'll try to live up to your standard and maybe get <laughs> get more 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 centered around having realistic due dates for stuff. Um the other like productivity follow-up I had was where where do you store text notes? Um mm. I mean, a, a lot of things for me become actions in OmniFocus. Um, I don't really take a lot of notes that don't also have actions. So I think OmniFocus is probably my primary place for that. But um, I do also use Evernote. And that's fine, although... Um, I keep forgetting to give the new um, Omni Outliner a try, and I'm—I I think like I think if I ultimately got into that, that that's probably where I'd get a little bit better about taking notes. Hmm. Well, sorry, and, and I, sh- I shouldn't mean like meeting notes. I just mean like notes to yourself, or just like things that you have to like jot down that maybe aren't like full documents, but also aren't like outlines of meetings or actionable stuff. Or do you generally just in a day not create that many things like that? I don't really create that many things like that, but when I do, that's that's where Evernote comes in. Okay. 
which I don't love, but you that's know. yeah, that's that's where I'm at because Evernote for me has had like a very specific place of it's where everything that like all paper documents from my ScanSnap just pour into Evernote, and because of that, like I'm finding that it's not a terribly good place for just standard plain text notes, but I don't really know what to do with them otherwise. So, yeah. Okay. Well, good to see how you work and maybe I'll, I'll try to roll some of that stuff into my own thing. Getting things done, man. Yeah. Yeah. But I've, I've been lapped. Good job. (laughs) Uh, All right. Uh, Do you want to promote any of our little like one-off stories or do you just want to jump into better call Saul? I think let's do we're running about the the normal time here so let's do let's do better call Saul and then picks of the week okay cool so Saul Goodman Productions that was that was good happened a lot earlier than I thought it would yeah but that, I think that's sort of you know for all my complaining earlier this season about how they totally you know spoiled the Gus Fring thing in advance this this truly was kind of surprising, which was neat. It was, but yeah, I mean, so it's so it was the usual kind of like manic and uh, desperate Jimmy, uh, and so it came out of like necessity because of that, which was cool. And kind of the whole like it was that name derives from Saul Good Man was was pretty top notch, but like I just don't actually know. And I guess this is a good thing, but I literally have no idea where they're going to go from here. Well, so I think where we're at now and maybe what we've now learned about how Jimmy becomes Saul is so, you know, he's given this 12 month um, period where he's not allowed to practice law. So he's he's not disbarred, but he's, I guess, temporarily disbarred for 12 months. And, you know. I think what where this is leading is it's going to be this 12-month period where Jimmy realizes that being Saul is what he really wants to do. Because Kim makes the comment right after watching the commercial about like, wow, Saul seems like he has a lot of energy. And I think that that's what we're going to see is is the more time that goes by where Jimmy's acting as Saul, he... Yeah, he just he realizes that that's the person he actually wants to be. But who is Saul? Like that's the thing. Like in in his in his current incarnation, like he like all he's he's just some dude trying to unload airtime so that he doesn't lapse on his like office space lease. So like where, like what? Who is the Saul Goodman persona right now? I think energetic, goofy outgoing um kind of an entrepreneurial spirit like i I think i think you know just kind of making this up as i go along but i i think maybe one of the angles that we haven't thought of like i guess i've always assumed that jimmy was gonna have to become saul for one reason or another but maybe where this is leading is that he he chooses to become saul but when that's the thing, I'm just not seeing where like this energetic persona goes and when that starts intersecting with legal affairs is because like there has to be that that crossover point. Like, does he 
does this happen happen after the 12 months lapses or does he just become like a, a sketchy uh legal mind for hire that that has like questionable ethics and, and kind of somebody who is willing to to bend the rules and, and eventually becomes kind of like the, the sleazy guy that we know from from breaking bad like I, I just think there's there's a big gulf there well, like we pointed out before, he still has his law license in, in Breaking Bad, so I I would guess that he, for the most part, sticks to you know the twelve month ban, unless maybe he doesn't and he just doesn't get caught. But I I would guess that he would stick to the the twelve month ban. But during that time, you know, he he realized that he likes this other persona, and decides that when he is going to get back into law he wants to kind of bring over the the Saul character in doing so perhaps but um and and did you catch the thing where like what time period this episode is supposed to take place in well so there was a McKellen 1966 right and Howard makes a comment that it's uh 35 year old bottle is which right? if, yeah if i'm doing the math right that's 2001 yeah i mean and, and based on like the technology that's being used in the show that that seems about right yeah so better call Saul, or sorry uh breaking bad was supposed to take place kind of in contemporary times like it seems like it was probably like 2010 or like ish so then we're probably like that seems like a big time period to either wrap up in this series or like these two will not even come close to intersecting in, in the, in the way we might've thought, or I might just be reading way too much into this one detail. Well, I, I, I don't, I was the time period of breaking bad really made that clear. Well, yeah, because the whole point was, so what, if we look at when the Pontiac Aztec came out, uh, which was, where, where is it? Uh, like 2004. And it was like, that was the whole thing about that car is like, he, it was a science teacher that had like this five or six year old, just kind of like beat up weird SUV that does place it kind of in supposed like it, that it was happening in like kind of when the first season came out, which is probably like 2011 or something. Well, so, um, because it's the internet and everything's on the internet, there is of course a, um, a page here that tries to um, break out the timeline for Breaking Bad. And they they pin the pilot as taking place on um, September 7th, 2008. Okay, I'll, I'll buy that. I mean, because that, that still kind of makes my point or, or like validates the question. Because at that point, seven years is a really long amount. Like if we're already on our third or fourth season. Well, so so a year a year will go by, which will get us to two thousand two, two thousand two, or close to two thousand three, right? Depending on kind of what time of the year this is. You know, then now you're only thinking about maybe a five year gap. And Jim, and Jimmy's clearly he's clearly been you know doing what he's been doing a Saul for a while before you know Walt comes into his life. Well, sure, but I guess I just I would have thought at the beginning of the series, or or even up until a couple episodes ago, that it would have been like the, we probably wouldn't ever see 
Walter White come on to like the stage of, of Better Call Saul. But I would have thought that like the two timelines would probably be much closer to intersecting than this seems to suggest it would. Because like Vince Gilligan doesn't, Gilligan doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to be like do a, a BS like here five years later type thing. Like in between seasons. No. Mm-mm. So I don't know. Like I, th- I just I don't necessarily know what that means for the story. But I, I found that interesting because like that's that that was a very specific thing to say. Like right when when it happened, I was like, hmm. Yeah, they right. It was clearly there for a reason. Yeah. And like that was a lot of this episode where it seemed like a lot of like scene building and like a place setting for for future episodes. Um, this is like a totally off topic or, or a different part of the episode, but can you remind me like, so Nacho, like the, the guy who's currently working for, uh, Hector who, like when we saw him first in Breaking Bad, who did he work for? He was working for Gus, wasn't he? Or am I totally misremembering? Is Nacho in Breaking Bad? Are you sure? Pretty sure. Hmm. Hold on, let me Google this. Or I could be entirely wrong. Yep. Uh, he's a right-hand man for two of Salamanca. Blah, blah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, he yeah, secretly yeah. begins working on Mike Airman Trout. Uh, okay. What's... Ooh, that's a new word. I've never, I've never seen that word before. A tritagonist. Hmm. Hmm. The person who is third in importance after the protagonist and the deuter antagonist. I'm I'm learning words all over the place. Cool. Um, interesting. Yeah. Because um, I, I I wasn't sure if he ever like eventually flipped. I wasn't sure if he was one of Gus's guys. And he because since you see all this stuff where Hector wants him to um kind of. Uh, like just take over his father's business and turn it into like a front for uh drug smuggling i was wondering when that that flip might happen but i could have been making things up in my head um yeah so what else was in this episode so i mean kim made a very good impassioned speech of the law being better with jimmy in it as opposed to being without it and yeah. It was, it wait, was, wait, wait, wait. We're I think we're we're getting things confused here. Hold on, what? So Nacho's not in Breaking Bad. He is though. No, I, I literally just typed into Google Nacho Breaking Bad. And if I go to Nacho Varga Breaking Bad Wiki. No, so it, Nacho's only referenced in Breaking Bad, and it's like some crazy like reference oh, that damn only it. that only no, no. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, you should not have a you should not have a a, a customized wiki called breakingbad.wikia.com <laughs> and talk about characters that don't appear in that show. That's that's not helpful. Yeah, no, he so yeah, he he was only only referenced in Breaking Bad. So he's not in Breaking uh, okay. Bad. Yeah, that's that's the thing where I keep thinking that Better Call Saul is a much uh, more recent show than it is. Or I I keep being in disbelief that it's in its third or fourth season already. <laughs> right. No. Um. All right. So yeah. So so Kim did really well in the episode, and um, uh, Jimmy got a very stern talking to from uh. Why why do I never remember his name? 
uh, electromagnetism guy? Chuck. Chuck's uh, ex-wife. Right. Was it? Yeah. So that 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 was a good scene. But other than that, like, yeah, that was it was a very it was a very long place setting episode. You know, the other thing that we got to was um, Gus finding the laundromat, which was kind of a, a good oh, that little. Was that... So is that was that Stevia lady? Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that was okay. Yeah, I got to take notes during these things. But no, that yeah. that was that was very good. That was neat. And again, that's the thing where you, you just kind of wonder about the timeline. And it's like I, I understand it takes time for for Gus to build up his empire, but that just seems like I don't know, long time scale. Mm-hmm. Cool. I think that I think that's it for that episode. I think so. Yeah. All right. You want to picks of the week? Yeah, um, so I have kind of, um, I guess, maybe a, a boring one, but it's okay. I think maybe it's a little underappreciated at times, um, which are iTunes movie rentals. Um, you know, had a, had a moment, um, I guess this was the weekend before last, but where, you know, had some free time on a Saturday night, knew we wanted to watch a movie, and, you know, really wasn't all that long ago where... You would have either had to think ahead of time and you know have a disc delivered via Netflix, um, or not even going back a, a ton further, where you'd have to physically go into a blockbuster or something and, and pick out a movie. And it's it's pretty amazing now that for five ninety nine you can basically rent just about any you know new release. I mean, I know there's kind of the thirty day period where you can generally only buy and not rent, but Putting that aside, um, you know, we've talked before about how the whole streaming thing happened, I think, a lot quicker than at least I expected it to. And the the whole iTunes movie rental system sort of epitomizes that. And I still think it's it's kind of amazing that we're already here. Yeah, like Apple has been pretty good about securing the rights to that kind of stuff. Like they still have a lot of trouble with TV, but movie rentals seem to be pretty foolproof there's very little stuff that you don't see on the itunes store uh past that 30-day window so anyway, it's it's pretty good um and the six bucks gets you the the full hd yeah yeah it's the hd version and you know i people complain about sort of the reliability of itunes streaming a bunch but you know knock on wood at least for me like you know videos start within five ten seconds never buffer never lose quality it's it's literally like you just you know just popped a, a Blu-ray in in your Blu-ray player. I think with co- like whatever peering agreement they have with Comcast, like uh, Apple stuff and like especially like App Store updates and that kind of stuff is like in, insanely fast. Mm-hmm. So whatever they're doing there is is working. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this is why Quickster didn't pan out. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. What movie did you rent? If you don't mind disclosing. La La Land. Very good movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Did you did you like the John Legend song? Like, you know, the one that's supposed to be like repulsive, sort of? I didn't really love any of the music, to be honest. Really? It was fine, but I, I actually just thought it was a visually stunning movie. And yeah, I thought the story was fun. But the music was kind of, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, other than the very first uh, musical sequence, it was a really good movie. Yeah, but no, you are right that the visual component in it it was very good. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. You didn't see it in the theater. No. Yeah. 
Had the lady seen it? Mm-mm. No. Cool. All right. Um, I heard it once. Uh, it won Best Picture. <laughs> okay. Too soon. Yeah. All right. So I have I have one minor pick of the week and then one regular pick of the week. So the best thing that's been on the internet this year, I think, is the picture that I just sent you. Yeah, this is this is pretty good. So it's a Darth Photoshop, but there's I think four unique things on screen that makes it perfect. So you have you have uh, it's it's uh, Donald Trump in the Oval Office having a very important phone call. Which if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, looking at the phone, there's nobody actually on the phone. Um, <laughs> so that's the first thing I noticed, because like a, a, um, because even the the non Photoshop picture has it like that, which I think is kind of weird. Um, you so you have a shrunken hands, which is always spot on it's a detail that darth never leaves out you have the microwave on the desk which i assume it which is because kellyanne conway implied that uh people spy with cameras and microwaves you have uh, sean spicer in the background uh hiding behind a bush um and then you of course i don't know if this is a photoshop or not but you have um uh trump's little diet coke button thing so this is pretty damn perfect and and again i we both hope and pray to God that Darth never gets tired and goes and in, goes into hibernation. So that that was kind of the highlight of the week. But then my regular pick of the week is going to be uh, something that's also very very low tech or 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 kind of pedestrian, which is a fabric steamer. Hmm. So this is something I've I've gone twenty eight years into my life without owning, but it's kind of the best, most basic and simple invention, but pretty tremendous thing I've I've ever seen. So what what which one do you have? Uh, I just bought like a really crappy one at Target. Like this was an impulse buy. This was not a like a, a sweet home uh, or wire cutter strongly research type thing. Because um, I think it's probably one of those things where it just it doesn't matter. Um, it's it's not really that important. Or like the technology is just super basic. It's just a thing that boils water and produces steam. Uh, but it's a very versatile thing. Like especially like when you have like a suit jacket or you have like something where it's just ironing is impractical or or just not very easy. Uh, that like yeah, fabric steamer, low tech solution to a low tech problem. Yeah, I've just I've used them in the past and just have never found them to be nearly as effective as ironing. Oh, uh, I bought one for nineteen ninety nine at Target and it uh, is amazing. Maybe one of those things where if you go too high tech or if you get one that's supposed to be good, it's actually worse than something else because it overcomplicates the problem. I don't know. This one was cheap and uh, incredibly effective. Hmm. Very good. Yes, sir. All right. So thanks for everybody for listening and excusing the audio quality because a mishap means you're probably going to get pretty mediocre Skype sound for the first half of this. Yeah, we'll 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 figure it. We'll figure all that out. Yeah. But people, you know, people come for people come for the content. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And after this, they'll know where North Korea is. <laughs> Pro tip, not Australia. <laughs>